0: Welcome to the Smichael Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smichael and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. Dr. Nathan Long is back. He is the president of Saybrook University that wonderful postgraduate institution with a hybrid model for providing education in the humanistic tradition. Thanks for coming back, Nathan Long.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Dr. Schmeichel. Good to be here.
0: So I want you to do just a really quick review for people who are tuning in for the first time on what is meant by a humanistic education. You talked about it last time, but I think it's worth recapping in a little nutshell.
1: Sure, sure. So if you want the full skinny, go to that previous episode, but basically Thank you. you got it and <laughs> check out all the episodes on Michael Speaks because they are very good. You'll get a lot of wisdom. Um,
0: Thank you human- for the plug.
1: <laughs> I, I do my best. I do my best. Um, the humanistic uh, principles or ethos, uh, essentially the philosophy undergirding Saybrook is this. We work in partnership with students in partnership with communities and organizations to help them actualize their greatest potential. And what that means is that instead of coming in and saying, here's what we're going to do to you, how can we help? That's the nut of it. That is the basic gist of it. And in becoming a humanistic leader, uh, you're coming in with a sense of care, concern, and also a sense of intellectual curiosity, passion, and courage to support uh, making positive social change, whether it's in the therapy room, the classroom or the community. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You talk a lot or we talk a lot about a just, inclusive, sustainable world at Saybrook. Yeah. And it sounds so good. Oh my goodness, just inclusive, sustainable world. But what does it mean in practical terms and in actionable terms to the average person?
1: Well, that's a, that's a big question, Joanne. I could go on for hours, and I think we only have a few minutes. So I'll, uh, I'll be uh, brief or as concise as I can be. It's aspirational. It's, it's really thinking about it, asking the people that we work alongside, the people that we teach, the communities that we serve, what does a just, humane, susten- sustainable society look like? And how do we vision that together and how then do we actualize that together? Um, And at the core of that is that humanistic philosophy and the notion that all lives are sacred, that all life is worth having dignity, uh, and that uh, all people should have access uh, to the necessary means to the best life possible that they envision for themselves. Um, Now, this comes in conflict right because different people come to the table with different views of what is a just humane and sustainable society um but but the the beauty of the humanistic approach is that rather than talking past each other our goal is to try and talk with each other and through these to vision that together and that's why we need more saybrook out there Mm -hmm. that's why we need to be having more of these conversations around that, but also more action in these spaces to say, what does this look like? How does this uh, emerge? I'm going to use an example here of a very hot button topic right now uh, nationally, uh, which is gun violence. And we see a lot going on across multiple political domains around it's all mental health or it's all guns or it's, you know, the depravity of certain communities or certain individuals. Um It's probably a combination of some of those things, not others. But if we're talking past each other, we're never going to get to the solution. And we do need to sit down in conversation first and hear one another talk through these things about what does a just society look like when it comes to the use and ownership of guns, for example, What does a humane society look like? I think we can all agree classrooms of children dying is not good. That's not a humane way of being in the world. And we also have the obligation to respect the constitutional freedom of the Second Amendment right now. Um, So how do we balance those? rights and freedoms with the very need to uh, protect and preserve our children in the world and, and have an honest discussion that can be seen as generative. And so not to get overly political, but I think that's, we're going to have to deal in those conversations to have that uh, or to strive for that more just, humane, humanist, boy, I can't say sustainable today, a more just <laughs> and sust- sustainable society. I, I'm getting stuck on that. Sorry. So Okay.
0: I think that's, I like the fact that you gave a practical example.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now I want to transition to community building because that is a big part of how you do what you do, how we do what we do at Saybrook. First define it at the university level.
1: So community building in a very broad sense at the university anyway, um, is really bringing disparate groups and by disparate i'm talking different disciplines but disparate groups and individuals so around the country a diverse group of individuals from around the country and around the globe together under one umbrella but also looking at what are the commonalities of purpose that we are here for so you can be a psychology major you can be an integrative health major you can be a transformative social change major But what are the common ties that bind? And community building at Saybrook really looks uh, at how do we do that in a continuous fashion that supports the development and the, the well-being of the students and therefore then helps them take that out into the communities that they serve. That community building at Saybrook looks very much like bringing people together twice a year as a community, virtually and in person, uh, that really emphasizes academic debate and discussion that looks at um, identifying very hot button or or key issues that are impacting the world, the field, the discipline that they're studying, um, looking at ways to solve for some of those major challenges and talking about what that looks like, um, and addressing some of those key needs that individuals have in order to address those challenges. And so, uh, and it's not just challenges. It's also, I think sometimes we focus so much on what's wrong. There's also a lot that's gone well in the world and how do yes. we add to it? Right. Yes. Um, yes. and I think we need to also honor the fact that there's so much good and, and you're, you're a prime example of someone who's out there now doing uh, consulting work with, with your graduate degree. That's changing, uh, the way companies think about it, but you're also helping them build on the positive work that they've done, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just coming in with a wrecking ball and saying, this stinks, this is bad. You're saying, here's what we can do to really elevate and take you to the next level, right? Which I think is a beautiful way of looking at the world. I think it's an important way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, life is all just kind of all about the challenge and not about any of
0: And it gets depressing. (laughs) (laughs) It gets depressing. You love music, so you know the Macy Gray song, There's Beauty in the World. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's beauty in the world. And the community building needs to to look at the beauty in the world. That's Mm -hmm. right.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So your students come from all over the world. How does that fit into this idea of community building?
1: Well, I think when we talk about having a global presence, having students from different countries, and this would be true, you know, when I was in graduate school, the people I learned from most were the students I knew from India, Southeast Asia, and the African continent. Many of them taught me so much about advocacy, support, community, right, and and working together. Now, our population at Saybrook isn't vast. So we have a smaller international population. Um, But those students have have broadened the minds of American students who often get caught up in just the. And again, uh, our realities are all our perceived reality, right? But Mm -hmm. when you open that door just a little bit more in your mind and you say, oh, in Italy, these things are. Quite real, for example, uh, we have a student who's really d- deepening her work uh, or their work into transgender uh, topics in Italy, and trying to understand and unpack how that kind of interfaces with a very Catholic country, with a very conservative religious ethos, um, while also balancing the need for that social cohesion and what that all looks like. It's very fascinating she, when they're talking about it. You're going, huh? I never thought about that from that vantage point before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it it really does open doors, and I think opens minds. And I think uh, the the that's the power of that global presence in a university, whether it's on ground or online, uh, in how we do that. And I would also say that when we look at America proper, the regional differentiations help us to really rethink and maybe reframe some of our own biases, our own approaches to how we uh, learn, teach, and practice in whatever field that we're going into. Um, You know, there are a lot of different things happening in Florida right now, Um, for example, and in California, two very different states politically, socially, um, and having a lot of students in Florida and a lot of students in California having that mutuality of dialogue and discourse and talking through a lot of the interesting framing has been fascinating and I think important and eye-opening for our students and and really building that empathy. Um, And that's part of community building. I think creating, understanding difference, similarity, and then looking at how we can move together.
0: Mm -hmm. And creating common ground.
1: That's right. Yeah, I think
0: creating common ground is really important. You know, confession, many people come to graduate school just to get a graduate education and that was why i went to graduate school that was my initial intent uh, when i started working on my doctorate i wasn't concerned about community i was concerned about completion i wanted to get ph done Um, so what does your faculty do to reach students or potential students who aren't necessarily concerned with the world community or building a world community how do you get them to i don't want to say change their attitudes yes i do how do you want to get them how do you work to get them to change their attitudes about that
1: well i think one thing we've been really working on over the last three or four years because i agree with you um we're not looking to just issue doctorates and master's degrees you know um I'm with you. I went to graduate school, probably not with the best of like intention. I, I wanted the doctorate and I like, okay, I need to get this to get that. And listen, that's a motivation for everyone who goes, right? There is a, a, a core objective for our students to say, you're not just going to graduate school solely to expand your mind. That's a big part of it. Um, you're going to expand your skill set so that you can have a better job, better opportunities afforded to you, right? That's great. In that mix, making positive change in your organization and community that is meaningful to the people you work and live and teach alongside should be foundational or fundamental to the work that you do, that we do. And so over the last couple, of three years, what we've been really working on and homing in on is this idea of onboarding students into the Saybrook way. Right, so it really looks at what is that humanistic essence? Why it? Why why is it that you chose here? Most of our students come to Saybrook because of our mission, but really educating our students on what it means, and that's also true for our staff and faculty. We're creating more onboarding uh, opportunities that not just like general employee onboarding around, you know, various HR policies and stuff, but what it means to be at Saybrook and why it's a differentiator from other universities. I had an employee email me last night, for example, and I had reached out to congratulate her on her new role. Um, She uh, came to us from another institution and she said, I've never had the president of a university reach out to me and, and welcome me uh, just personally on email I can really sense the Saybrook way. And my point being is that should not be a one-off thing and it shouldn't be reserved for the president. Every individual from deans to deep, uh, vice presidents to faculty, we should be holding our community together. And that is truly uh, the way in which we model uh, really good community values around that humanistic, uh, those humanistic principles and support students who say, I want to go out and change the world. Well, here's the first way to do it. First, understand what it is that you're getting here. Second, we're going to hold you in that space and we're going to really welcome you here and also support you in that journey. You have responsibilities to get that done too. And third, I, as you go forward, understand that that dream of a PhD, the P, getting pH done. I love that, Joanne. I, I think you were the first one to throw that at me at one, at one point. Um, is important for you personally, but think about this more globally about how it will impact your community, your organization, your family, those around you. This is a. I had a, a, a colleague uh, of mine who said that the doctorate, uh, achieving a doctorate, is a community event. It's not an individual event alone.
0: That is the truth. It that is. is the truth because there is no way you get through a. a, a PhD program without a community. I right. could not have done it without the support of my sisters, my friends, uh, the faculty. I had phenomenal faculty at Fielding. Um, I, you know, those were some lifelong relationships. Yeah. So it is community on so many different levels. So, so, Amen. so many. So, what are some of the ripple effects of community building, particularly the Sabre community? So, you-
1: you know, in our previous podcast, we talked about um, some of the, the great things that are being done out in the world, and I would just point to the ripple effects should be seen in the fruits of our labor, right? What is happening in integrative medicine and health sciences, for example, expanding the continuum of care uh, to not shun traditional health care but to look at it in partnership with and expand the options available to patients. As an example, to create partnerships with those you're working with as a consultant or as a therapist to say, here is how we build that reality together. Those fruits have borne out across the country and around the globe and the variety uh, pieces of work, I should say, uh, that are being done by our faculty uh, students and alumni And it's quite beautiful to see. And that ripple effect, I think, when we get into like raw community, like what does it mean to be a community builder? um, You start to see those pockets of change, positive change, where people see what's possible, what is doable, as opposed to getting stuck Mm -hmm. on the impossible. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of our students really do uh, try to tackle it Tackle life, tackle their work from that vantage point uh, to say, here's what's possible. Here's what we can do. Let's talk through this. Let's really ideate and let's then do it. Let's do it. And so let's stop talking about it. Now let's do it. Yeah.
0: yeah. The doing is so important. And one of the things I get frustrated with with researchers is, okay, it was good that you studied it. But what are you going to do with what you learned? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you going to do with the, the fruit of your research? You just looking at it? Um, so yeah. So I want to wrap up and I want to ask you, is there anything else you want to share about community building and how people can do it just in life?
1: Mm -hmm. The great question. Let me think about that for a second. Okay. So I think in terms of how we can do it in life, Um, I think the first step, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I think it's really important. Um, I think we have to come to community building with a sense of intellectual and general curiosity. What are we looking to do together? How can we do this in a way that's going to honor each other? And how are we going to do this that will make, you know, Whatever it is we're going to do together, how will it elevate us as a a group, a community, uh, our world, right? And I know we're talking anything from being a community, a small community that's just doing stuff together or to advancing positive social change. But that intellectual and general curiosity, I think, rather than coming at it from a point of view of of just, <laughs> this is what we're going to do, but saying, hey, what can we do together? How can we do this together is powerful. I think also community building requires, again, a great deal of empathy, care, concern for the other. And I think we get lost sometimes in trying to talk past each other. If we're in dialogue with each other and really talking with, not at, We're going to have a much better experience and engagement. We may not always agree on the issues, the outcomes uh, or the means, but we may get to some commonality of outcomes that I think is important, especially as we look at all the the wicked issues that are out there right now across our country. Um, And if we come at it with a sense of intellectual and general curiosity, if we come at it from empathy, care and concern um, and, and, a respect for the well-being and dignity of the other mm-hmm. there's a lot more that can be done um you know and I, I i often think you know we 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 have gotten ourselves into a rut where ridicule seems to almost be the name of the game as of late right and yeah there there may be a lot to ridicule in terms of, of crazy actions or behaviors but we're not going to change people people's minds uh, or hearts if we're not in dialogue and and really trying to understand the other. And and sometimes we'll reach an... Those are the last things that we need to be engaging in.
0: I like that, that's interesting. So Nathan, Saybrook is a nonprofit university, right?
1: That's absolutely right. Nonprofit, so, private, regionally accredited.
0: I like that. <laughs> A listener who wants to support the integrative medicine work or who wants to support the transformative social justice program or who just wants to support the scholarships that Saybrook gives, how do they do that?
1: It is super easy. Go to saybrook.edu slash giving or just type in Saybrook University Give and you'll be taken right to our website. We hopefully maybe can post a link in our... Uh, in your show notes, or as one comedian says on her podcast notes um, <laughs> and uh, put that in there. Um, and it's really as easy as putting your credit card into our uh, very secure uh, link or um, into our secure website. I would say the, the main thing to think about when you're giving to an organization, a university like Saybrook is, um, think about the legacy that you want to leave on the world. Um, We've got so many uh, powerful ways to give and reasons to give, um, but the most powerful way is to support students in their journey at Saybrook University through scholarships. Uh, Many of our students come uh, as second and third career professionals, have a lot of already accumulated debt. Uh, They've got families, they've got all sorts, you know, working one, two jobs sometimes and still doing fabulous work. Anything that you can consider in giving to Saybrook will help elevate those students to achieving their dream and our dream of a more uh, just, humane, and su- sustainable world. Boy, that sustainability piece is getting me. <laughs> um, and so, I think that is uh, those are out there. The one vision I have uh for saybrook university before my time concludes there um uh, your time's
0: never concluding that'll <laughs>
1: never conclude the long distant future
0: <laughs> yeah you'll be leading saybrook from heaven what are you talking about
1: <laughs> <laughs> or from the cruise ship on your vacation I'll, I'll join you um i think we have to look at, at higher education um nowadays is not just a um, uh You're right. It's a commodity. And and what you pay into it, you get out of it. And what you put into it, you get out of it. I also want to look at the opportunity of providing a greatly reduced uh, cost to students um, so that they can get out there and do the work that they need to do. Clearly, we are a tuition-driven institution. We can't pay our faculty and staff without the tuition that we charge. But if we could have a... uh, My dream is one day to make Saybrook tuition-free. Uh, for any student that qualifies and is engaged uh, with the work that we want to do. Um, and that comes with a lot of high... ...in positive social change.
0: So we're going to... You froze for a minute. We're going to retake just that last part where you talked about Tuition free, can you start that again?
1: Yeah, let me. Of course, everything starts to act weird on Zoom right now. Give me just a second. I'm going to close down a couple of things that may be in the way. Okay.
0: So, Dan, maybe so this will be where we cut where he says, My dream is to be a tuition free. Okay, mm-hmm. you ready? Mm-hmm. Just start that part. My dream is to be a tuition okay. free.
1: So my dream is uh, one day uh, to be a tuition free uh, institution of higher learning, uh, and that students can come here free of the burden of acquiring debt, uh, and can get to work as soon as they graduate with that Saybrook degree or credential, uh, with a goal ultimately, of getting to work on advancing positive social change. And so, Joanne, I'm hoping that in your audience or the audiences that uh, you begin to acquire over the years, uh, that someone will hear this and say, I want to be part of that vision that mission at Saybrook University.
0: Yes, and they can direct their gifts to specific scholarships, which I love. Um, That's right. That's a wonderful thing. Oh, how much I appreciate you giving up your time to be Mm. here on this Michael Speaks podcast channel. And how much I appreciate your leadership at Saybrook University. The belief that you have in the mission and your sincere commitment to creating a more just, sustainable, humane, I forgot it, but you know what I'm talking World.
1: about. yeah. World. I got gotcha. you.
0: <laughs> thank you, Nathan.
1: Oh, thank you, Dr. Schmeichel. Thank you for having me on today. It's been a privilege.
0: Take good care. You too. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.